Well, everyone, welcome back to season five of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in to episode one. Now we're on to episode two. And guess who we've got in the house tonight? <laughs> you can probably guess, but first of all, we've got Ray. Ray, how are you doing? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm doing champion. Uh, well, <laughs> we are champion, so I'm going to do champion this season. Uh, it's a little bit warm. I'm uh, slightly concerned about the people making a hot cup of tea uh, at this time of day, Michael. Uh, but, you know, but I think Bernard and me have got a long, cold one, and you've got a hot one. Absolutely. And you just mentioned him. We've got Bernard. Bernard, how are you doing? Oh, well, after, what, 24 hours after a hot and sultry Etihad, I'm in a hot and sultry room in Altrincham with the wind, with the window shut because I can't hear myself think with the kids out on the street outside. It's absolutely ridiculous. But we'll get through. We'll get through. I've got, I've got a bottle of water, ice cold water because I can't, uh, I haven't got Coca Cola or uh, alcohol. <laughs> I'm working tomorrow, so. Uh, I thought you were going to say, but I thought you were going to say, I'm hot and sweaty with you two boys, and I was going to say it's not a night to do with me. It's a night to no. do with me. Well, that, that's you, Ray. You're hot and sweaty with us too. I know that. <laughs> hey, just just looking at at you guys makes me hot on the under the collar. <laughs> All right. Well, which of our two boys were was actually at the game? Was that you, Bernard? Were you there? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so Bernard, tell us a little bit about the uh, the build up to the game. Obviously, the first um, home game of the season, and uh, a lot of our friends were there. We had um, uh, we had Nigel from the Man City show. We had um, people like uh, Presswich, Presswich Car Repairs, and we had uh, Prestige. Uh, Prestige. It's Presswich Blue. Prestige. Prestige Car Repairs. After five years. <laughs> I still don't get it right, right? But we had John Baker and his family were there, and uh, so how how was the uh, how was the atmosphere? And also, uh, Bernard, apparently there have been a few um, changes to the concourses and things like that. <laughs> well, yeah, we, had, we could do a full vlog just on yesterday's uh, pre-match shamble and the shambles on the concourse, not on the pitch, on the concourse. Uh, you've probably seen things on Twitter. About the uh, the state of the art machinery. Unfortunately, we don't have state of the art people serving. That's it. that's the only problem we've got. So you're in a queue with about five people in front of you, and it takes about 15 minutes to get served. So it's just. But anyway, apart from that, we we digress. The atmosphere was really good, actually. It seemed a lot of people got there early. The weather was gorgeous, of course. A lot of kids around. A lot of kids. I think it was a sellout when I looked on Friday or Saturday. There was like a single seat in three or four of the blocks or something like that. So, And it looked pretty full on, on the pitches, but obviously people were in and out all game because of the weather. I mean, we'll talk about the game itself, but I mean, all credit to the players because it must have been in the mid, mid to late 30s on that pitch yesterday. It was absolutely roasting in the ground. Uh, but yeah, great atmosphere. The atmosphere throughout the game was, was pretty good, was, was top-notch. Bernardo was left in no doubt as to how much we love him. So if he sods off, he can do one. And uh, yeah, it's just just uh, overall just a, a great a great atmosphere, a great day, and a fine result. Mm. Well, Ray, I think we should probably talk about this a little bit because people picked up uh, on the fact that at the end of the game, obviously we're going to go through the game, but at the end of the game, what's this stuff about him um, clapping to all four corners of the ground and stuff like that? Did you read anything into that? Who 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 did that? Bernardo. Bernardo. All right. So, well, guys, I've got to be honest. I've got to just admit that I was not at the game yesterday. I had to 
give up my ticket. Uh, I was uh, in a sweltering new market uh, working and I didn't get home till uh, nearly 10 o'clock at night to watch uh, match the day and then you know, watch the extended highlights and, and stuff like that. So, uh, and actually, uh, I was going <laughs> to do a, a, a live show with Bernard later on. And that, without knowing about this, uh, what Bernardo's done, that was going to be one of my questions to, to Bernard. Um, uh, the way I was looking at it was Gundogan started two games on the bounce. Now, towards the end of last season, Gundogan didn't get a look in. It was Bernardo Silva and KDB. That was it. You know, there was nothing better than those two two guys. The fact that Gundogan started the first two games this season, Bernardo's just coming on for a bit part as a sub. Um, maybe question the future of Bernardo Silva. You know, where's he going? Now, he ain't going to Barcelona right now because... You know, they're still in a mess, but they've got themselves uh, two weeks to sort that mess out financially and get their players um, signed on. But you know, if, if Frankie de Jong leaves, maybe that opens a space for, an, uh, if I'm right, another midfielder at Barcelona. And that could be Bernardo Silva. So I was just looking at it that the fact that Gundogan started the season makes me kind of feel Bernardo might be off Does that sound reasonable, Bernard? Yeah, I mean, I did say before this game, I did my sort of match lineup. I said... If Gundogan starts, that tells a lot about the fact of uh, what's happening with Bernardo. And interestingly enough, I know he's actually, as as at this point in time, I imagine he's actually in Spain, uh, Bernardo, because he's uh, he was caught at the airport uh, this morning on Twitter. Some uh, some girls took some pictures with him. They were on the way to Andalusia. I don't know, we don't know where Bernardo was going, but he was actually at the airport. So there is a possibility he's in Spain at the moment. So that's. Uh, Obviously, you can read something into that that's not there. You know, you know about rumours. I don't like. Sorry, was he on the same plane or just in the same airport? In the, uh, in the, you know, at the. So he wasn't going to Andalusia, wherever it was. But I don't know where that is to anywhere else. To be honest with you, I have no idea. To the Algarve, he could have gone to Monaco because he used to uh, uh, live there and play there. So. You know. I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously everyone's putting two and two together. But this thing on the pitch, uh, this was well after the game because uh, obviously Nathan Aki come over to clap to the Bournemouth fans where near where we are uh, at the end of the match, and he hadn't done it by then. And then I saw the pictures of Bernardo, and obviously the, the stadium, as it would be at that stage, was almost empty anyway. But apparently he did walk around, but I'd probably left the stadium by then anyway. And I, I hung around for a couple of minutes. The thing is, our next home game is against Palace on the 27th. Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, we've got uh, two home games on the bounce against Palace and uh, against Forest. And in between, we've got a game against Barcelona on the 24th. I mean, could, could he be announced... As, as soon as that, it may be that he's not going to be, you know, he's, he's going he might be sold by the Palace game. I mean, why would you go around clapping? I'm going to have to go and look at these pictures. But yeah, it just. It... Did you see the tweet, Ray, as well? He put out today. Oh no, Bernard! I'm not. I'm not been on Twitter for a long time. I mean, the tweet um, today was I'm sort of thanking the fans. I mean, it it could be construed as just thanking the fans for the game, mm. but obviously it's such a, a wordy t- a tweet. You know, he's used up all his letters. Put it that way. Uh, it was a bit a bit unusual for Bernardo. He doesn't usually put out tweets in that length, if you know what I mean. So yeah. that was another thing to add to the add to the source. So your your opinion is, is he can just sod off now. Well, if he wants to go, of course he can. He can go. Everyone's free to go. We love him. I love him to bits. I'll, I'll always love him. But I mean, at the end of the day, if he's not happy, he's free to go. Yeah. How much money? 
Oh, that, Jesus. If, if we did, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. If we, you know, if we did anything less than 80, 90 million, I, will, I was absolutely uh, being, you know, shattered by that because it's, it's well, got to be worth that. <laughs> I can't see Barcelona paying that, and I can't see. That's what I mean. I, I, he's going to pay it. That's the problem. I mean, you know, and if he wants to go, we're not going to let him go on the cheap, are we? When the fact that he's my, already my said he's going to stay. My feeling is quite easily it could just be that uh, there was an agreement last summer um, or the summer before, stay for X amount of time because last year there's no way Barcelona couldn't even uh, piss in a straight line last year. So there was no <laughs> chance that anything was happening there. Um, and it might just be stay with us for a year. We'll let you go for a reasonable summer money next summer if that's really what you want to do. And, you know, I, I've said it before. I think City have had gentlemen's, you might not call some of them gentlemen, but gentlemen's agreements with players because some of them have gone out dirt cheap. You know, we've let people go for ridiculously low amounts of money. Um, you know, you think of Tosin. How much did he go for? One and a half million quid. You know, mm. Tosin Adebayo. So um, there's a few players who have gone really on the cheap and people said, how have we done that? And I said, I suspect we've got deals you know, handshakes with the players. If you stick it out for this amount of time, we'll let you go at a reasonable price. I think if we get 60 million for Bernardo, I think we'll be doing well because I just think he'll be in a similar ballpark, although he shouldn't be, to Sterling and Jesus, who we got, what, about, let's say, 50 million quid for them. Bernardo's streets ahead. He was a first-team starter last season. There's no way. You're right. 80, 90 million is the right, I think, the right ballpark for Bernardo Silva. But I think it's going to be nearer to 60 million just because it's Barcelona. You know, you know Pep. Pep loves Barcelona, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he can go as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bernard, how are Barcelona doing this? Because, I mean, I'm not a financial expert like, uh, like Ray and Colin, but my goodness, they look bankrupt to me. But how are they doing these deals? It's, 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 it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could really do with Colin, couldn't we? But, I mean, it is... Uh... It's just farcical, isn't it? It's it's an absolute joke. I mean, I just sort of give up. I sort of tend to learn most of what I know. Ray will know a lot more. Uh, just looking at what's on Twitter and people tweeting things, it's just think, just ridiculous. I think the way to look at Barcelona is you've got players like Frankie who took a, a pay cut and so Barcelona owe, owe him 17 million quid um, over the last two years or something. Ridiculous amounts of money. That's how they're saving on the wage bill. We've heard, was it PK? Is PK still there? Or there's somebody, your PK, I think it wasn't it, who said he'll play for free. So, what Barcelona are doing is a combination of their, uh, what's the right word? They're, they're pushing their um, creditors back into the long term. So, for instance, they, Frankie, they, you know, they've underpaid him for two years. They've cut their wage bill down just on him alone by about 17 million quid, okay, 20 million euros or so. And but they still owe him as a debt. Um, so but what they're doing is, is, is cutting their wage bill, which has been their problem. Uh, they can, it seems, satisfy their debtors and they took out, uh, I think, a, a long term loan uh, facility. Um, but it's their wage bill that's the problem. So they've been trying to look, they got rid of Griezmann, they basically paid him to leave to get him off the wage bill. Frankie's going to go, he's going to take a huge, I don't know what he's on, yeah, as a, as a salary, but I would suggest it's in the region of 20 million a year. 400 grand a week. Let's just pick that number out. Um, and to get rid of him off their wage bill is, is going to be another huge one, you know, uh, and getting rid of bits and pieces. Uh, uh, one or two of the players have gone. And that's how they do it. So they get, <coughs> excuse me, they're getting players to take less wages. They're getting 
others off the books. They've sold rights to their, um, I think, some of their future income. That's how they're getting the money. Now, it, you know, that, and that's another reason they're desperate for this, something like the Super League. They're desperate for extra money coming in from somewhere because they're pushing their, their problems into the long grass for the time being. They're kicking the can down the road. It's not that far down the road. That's why they're desperate for money to come in because they've sold whatever it is, 30% of their future income on uh, you know ticket sales or um, broadcast income or whatever. And if anything goes wrong, if there's another pandemic or something, Barcelona could quite easily be bust because there's no money coming in. You you so, you basically you're selling people night. Um, so you know they, they're just storing their problems up and and hoping uh, to hit that pay, um, you know miraculous payday at some point in the future. That's how they're doing it, and they're relying on players going there because they're desperate to go to Barcelona because they're their boyhood club or whatever, and they're prepared to take a pay cut or deferred payment um, to make to be able to make the signing go ahead. It is ridiculous that they got they bought players that they couldn't register last week because they are too much uh, on the wages. Uh, it, it's crazy, but you know all these shenanigans. They're managing to get you know to keep staggering forward, uh, but you know it's about time. It's about time they had their comeuppance uh, and went out of business. Well, uh, Bernard, um, I think the, the 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 main thing that we keep hearing about Bernardo Silva is that he wants uh, better weather. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the weather in Manchester is pretty good. I mean, someone, some, someone put up the the uh, the comparison between Barcelona and uh, Manchester at the minute. We're we're coming out pretty good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but we know we know next week we could have I, our only jumpers I, on again, don't couldn't we? Next week. <laughs> well, let's move on to a more serious question, Bernard. Um, after the game was finished, we learned something that I didn't know, and I'm sure you guys probably knew about this, but um. Apparently, the players have voted for captaincy. And uh, apparently, this is something the City do at the end of every season. So, what we learned was that uh, Ilkay Gundogan is the captain. Bernard? That was his first, uh, first official one yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. And his, uh, his deputy is De, De Bruyne. And then you've got this like little cadre of uh, uh, players uh, behind that. You've got uh, Kyle Walker, you've got Ruben Diaz and uh, Rodri. Um, uh, how do you feel about uh, Gundogan as the captain? I mean, he obviously scored the last goal of last season, scored the first goal of this season. Um, he's got some, um, he's got some, some influence, I would say, at this point. He must be about what thirty-two, and uh, Pep's first signing for twenty million. What about five years ago? What do you reckon, Bert? Yeah, but isn't he supposed to be going at the end of this season as well, Ray? I mean, Mike, isn't he supposed to be off? And this, and this is last season. Well, apparently they're offering him a new contract, according to the scribes. Yeah, I mean, when you watch everything about Gundo, I mean, what, a, what? I mean, he's a nice, he's a great bloke, isn't he? I mean, we, we you can't see much wrong with what he does off the pitch. Uh, you can see a bit wrong with what he does on the pitch occasionally, but not not off the pitch. That's for sure. It's just it's just a great guy. His wife's quite attractive, which is always a, a plus point uh, for uh, not uh, us. <laughs> for him, yeah, him not us, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair enough. It did surprise me a little bit, a little bit. I thought with people like um, Diaz about for longevity, if you like, who you can imagine, or Laporte when he comes back, uh, it did surprise me, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, fully, fully, totally deserved, totally deserved, but uh, I think there's probably four or five players who probably could have picked it up. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon, Ray? I agree with Bernard. 
I mean, also uh, a slight point that if Gundogan's captain, then that you'd like, to, even though Fernandinho was club captain and hardly played that much, Gundogan's only, he's still 31. He's not 32 till late October. So, you know, you'd think, all right, captain usually should be playing. So, uh, otherwise, what's the point? Unless you're a such uh, statue within the club, like someone like Vincent Company or... Uh, they have this thing like called club captain. And I think yeah. club captain kind of means that you're not necessarily... You're, you're kind of like the, the captain of the dressing room. You're not necessarily... I, oh, regular... I, I understand that, but I'm still saying at the age of 31, 32, he's not like Fernandinho 36, 37, when you knew he wasn't going to be playing. Uh, and it just you know, adds a little extra to the fact that I think... Um, that Gunduan might be, uh, you know, here for a little bit longer, and Bernardo Silva might not be. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. Well, let's get into. I'm going to say something just quickly. But uh, yep. K- KDB apparently hinted that one of City's best bits of summer transfer business was Ilkay Gunduan staying. Um, you, you know, he was apparently he'd been linked uh, with moves to Madrid, Munich, Arsenal, Barcelona. Um, but you know, obviously, if you remember. When he was uh, when he, he was spotted at that private jet terminal in May, which uh, sparked that uh, speculation that he was leaving, and when actually he was getting married. Um, so, but apparently KDB had said something, um, you know, in between the lines that Gundogan is, you know, is one of the best bits of business that City done this summer. And you know, I, I don't, I can't deny that because he's he, he's still a wonderful, wonderful player. Ray, I think I saw that headline too. Were you perhaps looking at um, that aggregator site called Manchester City News now? Nope, nope, no, no. That's the uh, MEN, Manchester City News. Okay, well, um, all right, guys, let's take a look at the lineup. So we had Ederson, we had uh, Tal Walker, Ruben Diaz, uh, Nathan Ake, Cancelo, Rodri, De Bruyne, Gunduan, who was the captain. Uh, Mares, Haaland and, and Foden and um, uh, Bernard I think that um, a couple of people were saying yeah it's, it's uh, after after Grealish uh, last couple of um, performances it's probably time to give uh, Mares a bit of a, a bit of a go uh, I, I was kind of expecting uh, John Stones to go in there and um, I, I, I was kind of tickled on Twitter where they uh, the, the City fans were polled about who was the most handsome uh, player in the uh, in the Man City team. Apparently, John Stones came top because it looks like um, uh, you. somebody. Uh, yeah. What, what, what did you what, what did you think of the lineup, uh, Bernard? Well, I thought you were asking what I was going to think of him being the handsomest player. Then I thought you were going to say that for a minute, but uh, no. Well, well, I got ten right in my little pick. I did my little preview, and to be honest with you, I did put stones in, but on the proviso that uh, I just want stones to play. Basically, I don't. I didn't think really Pep would stick him in, and he didn't. He obviously stuck with what what he had. So yeah, I think that was that was his strongest lineup that Pep's playing at the moment, and I think that's what he'll do these early games. He wants to get the points in the bank, doesn't he? He wants to. Get off to a good start. Obviously, this is part one, of course, of season 22-23. And he wants to take a full advantage. And while he's got a week between the games, he's not going to chop and change much unless someone picks up an injury. So, yeah, that for me, as I said, even though I only got 10 of the 11, I wasn't surprised by uh, that team at all. What do you think, Ray? And um, and by the way, who is the, the most handsome player in Man City? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Who's the most handsome? Um... Cancelo, maybe? 
Oh, Cancelo's got a little bit, a little bit about him. Um, but I, to be honest, uh, I'm not that way inclined to go around looking at guys and telling, uh, thinking how pretty they are. You know, who's, who's the prettiest boy? You know, who, who would in a boxing match turn the back because they don't want to get, you know, their face messed up? Um, uh, Julian Alvarez. There you go. I'll throw that in, his name into the hat. Uh, I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the poll of who's the most handsome on the. Uh, from the bolt from the blue, and wait for that. <laughs> and then I'm going to have to get my two thousand proxy accounts and the bolt. Uh, <laughs> that'll be interesting. I'm going to say about that for me that that Grealish was dropped and uh, Mares came in uh, and Foden kept his place. Uh, and it's only two two league games in. Obviously, the Community Shield didn't matter because we didn't win it. So it's, it's just a friendly game. Um, is it going to be that Foden's going to be a regular this season on one one of the wings and? That uh, Grealish and Mares are going to flip flop until one of them, uh, you know, says you can't drop me. Is that could that well happen? That's how I looked at that that lineup and the fact, obviously, that Aki kept his uh, starting berth and um, your man Stones, uh, your handsome man Stones, was on the bench. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so Bernard, there there was a huge big palaver about um, the first game of the season. Uh, the stadium looked fantastic. They were letting off blue and uh, blues, foot bombs and everything. Was that down at your end? Well, it's at the side, so it's like you can still feel the heat off those flipping, you know. Well, that's a cunning idea, isn't it? To have big fire torches blazing out. I mean, what <laughs> lunatic, what absolute lunatic came out with that? I mean, there's people dropping dropping like flies in the old, uh, in the East Stand, whichever stand it was behind it. It was unbelievable. I mean, we, we, we just missed the dancing girls, really, didn't we? But, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know why. It's the first game of the season, so what? I, I don't understand at all, you know, all right, a few extra kids in, keep them entertained, but uh, hey, let's uh, let's save that to when we win the title, back-to-back-to-back. Save it to, back to, back, save it to uh, December. Save it to December when it's cold. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Keep it all the time around the pitch in December, not not on the flipping 35 degrees on the pitch on the first game of the season. You know, December, January, February, please, and then we can stay in the ground and we don't have to spend money on gas and electric at home, do we? So let, let's do it that. City, come on, think ahead. Yeah, yeah, because the uh, you know, cost of living crisis and everything else, that'd be cool. Well, uh, Bernard, um, I, I don't know if you've heard this, but apparently... Um, you're not allowed to bring sunscreen into the Etihad Stadium. Um, that's a bit kind of strange, isn't it? Uh, yes. Well, I would say yes. I mean, the fact that eight and a half out of the nine months, it wouldn't even be a problem. Uh, probably not a problem. But as I said, for the one-offs, I think uh, I was watching the, was it the cricket where they had free Three bottles of water and sunscreen, yeah. things, things like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, so they've got to think about that. But as I said, we're not prepared, are we, mate? I mean, obviously, the trams were running slower because the tracks were getting too hot. We just, it's just, it's just part and parcel of this country. We're just not prepared. It is ridiculous. I, I mean, I've just got to throw this in. I, um, um, I had tickets for the uh, Women's Euros uh, at the uh, Academy Stadium, and I remember one day when it was, I'm sure it was 35 degrees or something. It was going to be one of the hottest days of the year uh, or ever in Manchester. And City, I mean, it was the, the rule. I don't know whether it was a UEFA thing, uh, thing or whatever. You were allowed to bring just one 500cc bottle of water in the, into the ground. One bottle. And they took the top off you. So, so you know, so you're not, you know, if you... 
brought a cold bottle of water, you'd have had to, you know, swig it quickly to keep it cold. And I don't think they were off, they were offering free bottles of water, so you'd have to queue up to buy water. No, I think they had free water. I think they had water stations. I didn't see any, but I believe there's a lot of free water. Once you got your bottle, you could use it. I'm talking about during the Euros. So, oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, sorry. Go on. Yeah. about this game. Because yeah. I remember reading that and thinking, I was thinking of going with my lads and I thought, no chance. It's 35 degrees. I'm not, you know, I, I, it's, it's crazy. Um, when I was on Saturday at Newmarket, as much water as you wanted. Every bar, you know, they had uh, boxes of water, you know, little 500 mils water, half a litre water. They had packets and packets and packets. And you just, go, it was, go and help yourself. You don't have to ask, you don't have to buy just go and help yourself because it's roasting hot, you know. Uh, I mean, yes, I've got to say yesterday, I think I had five, at least five litres of water, at least five litres of water. So it is in, in that temperature, you've got to give the fans some, you know. You know, we paid a little extra this year to, to for our season tickets. At least give us some free water or something. But sunscreen, I mean, come on. I can you not take sunscreen into the ground? What is the thinking there is that someone might slip drugs into that? I mean, well, I don't even understand that. I think the problem is you're not allowed to take, for instance, you're not allowed to take water in because, with the, especially with a bottle top, it's, it can be used as a missile. Um, and I guess a sunscreen bottle can be, or container can be used as a missile to throw on the pitch uh, at players or, or um, you know, opposition fans or even home fans. Um, and I think that's probably the thinking behind it, which is still crazy. You can't, um, you can't just legislate for the for the few idiots and make everybody else suffer. Mm-hmm. Well, Bernard, I, I was going to just uh, go on to the first goal, which happened on the 18th minute. Unless you want to talk about anything that happened in the in the initial 18 minutes. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the main thing was I was surprised it lasted that long. I mean, we had so many chances in that first uh, 15 minutes. It was it was just the Alamo, wasn't it? I mean, obviously some poor finishing by City, some crosses we weren't quite getting to. It was just uh, it was a big surprise that Bournemouth lasted to the 18th, 19th minute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I say, I mean, the one thing I noticed, and, and we might come back to it, is uh, Mr Harlan was not best pleased when uh, young Foden didn't pass to him. With the oh, gale yeah. go, uh, gaping, sorry. Uh, I mean, Harlem was in the middle of the box, no defenders anywhere near him. It was a tapping for him. Was it Maris at the far post as well? It would have yeah. been a tapping for him. And Foden had the shot. Yes, the goalie saved it, but you could see the. It was more than frustration, the anger on Harlem. Because Harlem had said, you know, one of the things that gives, I think he said it to Shearer or Lineker uh, last week, one of the things that gives him pleasure is to set up other people for goals. You know, he enjoys setting them up and it's about the team winning. That's the main thing. Although when, I think later on, we'll obviously come to it, when KDB scored, Harlem wasn't celebrating because Harlem wanted the ball after when KDB scored. So he's he's ruthless. He wants to score. But I also think in the same position, would he have passed to, to, to Foden? Um, according to him, he would. And the right call was the, was the pass for the tapping. You know, there'll be a game where we might only get one chance, and that I always say this: if that's the one chance we get, and we didn't make the pass, and we end up losing the Champions League semi-final on on that one mistake, you know, it's these little small margins. Yeah, Bird, I think that um, uh, young Phil might have probably got a flea in his ear at uh, halftime from um, from um, uh, Pep and uh, his team, but it does prove that uh, Holland uh, can uh, can make goals as well. Let's talk about this goal. 
and how you saw it, Bernard? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, I think that's the closest, I think, to this goal uh, from the assist point of view in Ireland is probably Balotelli and Aguero, wasn't it? The way he was on the floor and yet he managed to flick it through the gap there to, to Gundogan. I think there was a good move before that. To, I can't remember who passed it to Gundogan in the first place and Gundogan does a lovely little flick. It might have been... Uh, might have been Rodri uh, from from the city after, and, and all all four goals, even even the goal that's an own goal, uh, they were just really good, quick build-ups. Uh, you say it was a, it was a hot day, so we we had to sort of keep our keep our strength, keep you know play it casual, and then just 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 go just go for it at times, and that's what we did. And that uh, little Gundogan little flick through. Uh, he was falling over, he was using his strength island and he just snuck it through and we know what Gundogan's like in all sorts of positions, he just he just passes it into the goal uh, and the goal, he didn't have a cat and else chance of saving that and it's 1-0. It was a lovely little assist wasn't it Ray? Absolutely um, it was a n- nice move, um, you obviously you had that Gundogan flick um, and, and that's uh, it's something what we're going to see I think time and time again and it happened again for the, for the next over when we come to that, is Haaland takes a lot of defenders out of the game. They were all on him. I think there was three of them, it seemed, focused on him. When he got the ball under a lot of pressure, you know, he ended up, I think, on the floor and flicked it onto Gundogan. Nobody went with Gundogan. They were all focused on Haaland because he's the, you know, best striker in the world, the danger man. He's got everybody's attention and they're really focused on him. And I think that, actually, it's another masterstroke you know, you don't need a false nine um, when you've got someone like Haaland because he's taking players out, the uh, defenders out of the game, and he's creating space for other people. Um, and it was a nice, uh, you know, ball through to Gundogan, uh, and Gundogan just slammed it home. Um, nice goal. Yep, our new captain uh, Bernard, and it was only about ten minutes later that I think that Kevin De Bruyne was uh, was pretty much um, pretty much uh, decided on that. The fact that uh, he was going to be the man of this game, and that was a sumptuous uh, move. And uh, I, you know, I, I've got, I've got to say, Bernard, when, when you're like running into traffic like that, to strike the ball with the outside of uh, the right boot like that was is kind of a ballsy move, but it was beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, in the south, we were in the south stand, so we got a great view of it. And as Ray was saying there, Harland when he was running up. Towards it. it didn't look as if there was any stage where KDB could release him, but there was literally four Bournemouth players, and all they had on their mind, as Ray was saying there, was that big guy. They were looking at him. They weren't really looking at KDB, and all KDB was put. KDB did was like push the ball in a straight line. He didn't. He didn't dribble with it. He just jigged about himself. The ball went in a perfectly straight line. The defenders were all over themselves trying to keep one eye on Ireland, and obviously he said, "Sod this," and he just put the outside of his right boot to it and just curled it into the far corner because the opportunity arose because I don't think at any stage there was a chance to get to free Haaland but the other guys the Bournemouth defence was so concentrated on him that he just KDB does that he just knows when's the right time to release it and uh, it's brilliant with the outside we've seen Cancel do a few of those with passes and stuff but KDB can do them with the best of the best uh, the best of the guys so Superb, and as I said, he, he let the ball do all the work. He jiggled about, let Ireland take the, the defenders' minds off it, and a, super, a superb second goal. That was the kind of go- goal that you used to score, wasn't it, uh, Ray? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I couldn't run that far. 
uh, without falling over. But no, Burners hits it on the head, nail on the head. And as I said it earlier, um, Haaland's just opening space. He's dragging players around. And I, I think KDB was looking for the pass. And the Bournemouth players just kept going backwards. You know, um, most of them were focused on Haaland. A couple were looking at KDB, but they were, they, it just looked like they were, like the, the fellow that uh, ended up getting uh, tricked by KDB, a simple step over. And I used to say, why doesn't Sterling do something like that? You watch the player um, just basically almost fall down. Uh, and that, that created the, the space and the time for, for KDB to have the shot and uh, score that wonderful goal. But um, Haaland just occupies the defence. And they're focused. This might change as the season goes on, but it's the, it's, it's like I used to say a few seasons back when City were having seventy percent of the possession. Teams had lost before they come out. They were focusing on the wrong thing. And once again, there's so many play, uh, their defenders focusing on Haaland that they're giving other people time and space. And uh, look, City, you got players like Gundogan and KDB and Foden. They don't need any second invitation to take that time and space and score goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernard, just a, <clears throat> a little side uh, point here, and that is that by that time, Arsenal were two 0 up with two goals from Gabriel Jesus. Are you are you missing him? Well, we're not surprised, do we, mate? We're not surprised that Jesus will score goals. We know, we know he'll score goals, and he'll also have times when. You know, he has a bit of a barren patch and that's what Jesus was doing for us. But the, the benefit he's got at the moment is Jesus is the main, you know, one of the main men or the main man, if you like. So he's going to get plenty of games. He's going to probably score more goals than he did ever did for us. And he scored plenty of goals for us. You know, I did my little special on him and you, you forget just how prolific he could be. Uh, but he did have those droughts, of course. And, and sometimes those droughts were caused by a little injury or the fact Pep wasn't playing him. So, I mean, it wasn't always his, you know, it wasn't always the fact that he was on the pitch not scoring. So it doesn't surprise you what I hope. I mean, we all expect him to come. We all expect him to score against us when we play him. Uh, a very talented player. He'd done. He'd probably gone as far as his quality as he could at, at our place. And now they're Arsenal. Are, unfortunately for us, unfortunately for them, seeing the benefit. I did laugh though when the commentator. I watched it back, and I think the commentator when he scored his first goal said that set uh, Jesus won City nil. I thought that was uh, Arsenal won City nil. I thought that was quite funny. A funny comment <laughs> comment to make, but uh, yeah, he's probably right. But uh, nothing, nothing more, nothing less than we expected from Jesus. He, you know, he can score. Got he missed a good, he missed a sitter as well, mind you, later on. But uh, yeah, uh, exactly what I expected. What do you reckon, Ray? I mean, um, it was, it's been a fantastic start. Obviously, didn't score last game, but two goals in this game. Sooner or later, it's going to get frustrated with the fact that he's always offside. Uh, I don't know if he's learned that. Look, he's got he got two goals and two assists, so he's he's the man of the moment uh, down down in North London. Um, and oh, look, Bernard's right once again. I mean, you know, uh, I think this is just going to be. Uh, a no, I'm just making a note of that, mate. Hang on, hang on. Right, okay, I've got it. I've got it down. I'm right again. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> again. Um, but I'm just giving a nod to him because, you know, look, Jesus never got a tremendous run in the team. He never... Jesus is a guy who he needs confidence. He thrives upon it. He needs to be loved. Mm. And I think he's getting that the confidence from being able to play regularly, knowing he's not looking over his shoulder, as to uh, struggling to get into a team. He's the main man at Arsenal. If he takes penalties as well, he can easily score 20 league goals this season if he plays something like 35 games. Um uh, you know, and that for Arsenal 
would be a success after what they've had in people like Lacazette. Lacazette won't be scoring goals like Jesus. You know, uh, he's made he's made a huge difference to them. That focal point, that pressure he puts on, the effort he puts in. Uh, he'll score a, a decent number of goals uh, for Arsenal. I don't look. I, I did a video um, that was quite well received. That I didn't want him to go. I was quite happy for Sterling to leave, but Jesus, I wanted him to stay one more season because I still thought he had a lot to offer, but in a bit part capacity. And I just think Jesus has had enough of being a bit part player. He wants to be the number uh, number one. World Cup coming up. Just wants to um, play as much as he can. Be the main focus, score lots of goals, and he's doing that. So good luck to him. Well, Bernard, I don't know if you want to talk about anything that happened in the intervening seven or eight minutes between uh, number two and number three, but I thought we could probably go on to number three, which was scored by Mr. Philip Bowden. Perhaps you could t- tell us your uh, thoughts about that one. Yeah, well, my little notes when I watch the game back at uh, after midnight today, because I always try and watch these home games again, and I get a better view of what's happening. Uh, not a lot happened, mate, between the between the two goals. Uh, but it all came from a, a Bournemouth mistake, didn't it? They did a couple of our goals came where they lost they lost the ball in our half, and it was uh, I think it was uh, Rob. Uh, yeah, Rob, I think the um, Cancelo maybe that shot that down. Yeah, I mean, because obviously, but he found um, Maris, wasn't it? Maris was back there, wasn't he? And he, he sort of played a great through ball up to KDB. Uh, very quickly again. This is one of those things where we didn't mess about. We just we just shifted straight from in our own half up to the up to the last third of the the Bournemouth, and it, it's a great ball from Mar as well. Al he, he did well, got it to KDB, and of course once KDB Foden was running the channel, wasn't he? And it was unusual. I mean, I th- I thought it was going wide. I thought I thought the goalie had saved it from behind the goal. It was really weird because the two defenders and sort of went to block it. I think it probably hit one of them, if not both of them. The goalie was a little bit unsighted. He didn't have a, a long time to react. And when Foden hit it, he hit the target, which is what you've got to do. But I thought I thought it got was was safe. But Arlen was there actually. If the keeper had managed to sort of get it away from goal, I think Arlen would have had his goal because he was he was poaching as you'd expect him to do. But uh, somehow it just spun into the net, and I, I was dead surprised. I just I just thought it'd been saved and Arlen was going to pick it up, but. Uh, yeah, it was just a great move. Again, the goal, all right, a little bit of fortune, but um, yeah, just overall thoroughly deserved again. Yeah, he could have passed that to Haaland, though, couldn't he? He could have passed that to Haaland. <laughs> no, but this is the thing. Look, it hit the goalie again. Foden was fortunate that it bounced into the net and he wheeled away celebrating. But what if that had gone, you know, all right, we were winning 2 0, it wouldn't have mattered. But Haaland was there again. You know, I think Pep said after the game that, especially the first one, Foden didn't see him because they're not used to having somebody in the box. And he said, he'll, I think it's basically, I'm not paraphrasing here, but next time he'll pass for him because now they know that uh, Harlem will always be there. Now they know he's going to be there for those tappings. And uh, look, if Foden had passed up, uh, to Harlem yesterday, Harlem scores another two goals, those two tappings. So um, I think Harlem's going to get a lot of tappings this season if we clock onto the fact that he's there for those tappings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Bernard, uh, a lot of people made a lot of the fact that uh, uh, Mr. Holland hadn't um, had uh, too much of the ball in that first half. But I think um, Ray is exactly right. He gets himself into the right positions and he drags players away from the ball. That's how I saw it. What was your view? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we were just having a chat with my lad at half time. I think I've, I was sort of laughing with him because I said about Ireland saying he's very rarely caught offside. And if you think back to yesterday, not just the first half, but the second half, some of these balls that were zipped in into the six-yard box and no one quite got a foot on it. Ireland was always a, a yard behind it or something like that. And we were sort of just joking and saying, well, perhaps he's never offside because he just hangs back a little bit because he relies on that little burst of pace. Doesn't he? So when the ball's fizzed across the area very close in, like a lot of, at least three or four occasions yesterday that happened uh, from the wings uh, and he just missed out on getting to it. I, I think he probably doesn't, because obviously it's a bit nearer the goal, he doesn't have that, that time to sort of have that turn of speed. So he, he perhaps uh, doesn't want to risk, if you like, I know it sounds daft, but don't want to risk being offside by by moving that a little bit quicker than that initial initial move. So yeah, that was interesting, but he does everything. He does everything. He's there, as Ray said. There, he could he could have had easily had two goals that first half. So no one's going to worry particularly about what happened yesterday because he was a, he was mainly in the right place at the right time. Ray, he does seem to have telescopic legs, doesn't he? He's six foot five, mate. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> you know, let let's be serious. The guy's uh, as tall as um, tall as anything, tall as a tree. Um, he's look. As Bernard said, he's going to score a shed load of goals for the season. Um, and, uh, you know, the funny thing is, actually, I heard a match today. His first touch of the game, his first touch of the game was after, was it 15 minutes? When he set up Gundogan for the goal. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the numbers now. Was it eight or 15 touches in the whole game? Mm-hmm. He hardly touched that boy ball. He was, in terms of touching the ball, a peripheral player yesterday. But he was so instrumental in those goals because, as we've said time and time again, he distracts players. He pulls them away um, from where they should be. He's the one creating a tremendous amount of space, space and opportunity for himself, but also for other players. And, uh, you know, I want to see how he fares against, no disrespect to Bournemouth and West Ham, you know, bigger teams. You know, I want to see how he fares against Arsenal, Chelsea. And Liverpool um, and Spurs. I think that's where we will see. I don't. He's not, certainly not a flat track bully, but I just think that's where we'll see the class of Haaland. And is is he going to be as the, the superstar for City that we hope he's going to be? Well, guys, um, it was three nil up against Bournemouth at uh, half time, and um, I, been, I think I haven't we been there before? May the sixth, nineteen eighty nine. <laughs> well, I, was just about, I was just about to ask you, Bernard, if you could probably help us out a little bit because at that point people were tweeting about Eddie Large and uh, City fans uh, who were kind of like of a certain vintage will remember the time that he came into the dugout. Um, and this is where we. He was, a, he was a dugout at one stage, he was that big. Um, well, um, why did his name come up, uh, Bernard? What, was it against Bournemouth that 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 he did that, or why yeah, did his? Sorry, I don't know what season it was, mate. I've not really looked back at that, but obviously he was he was in that um, in with the manager quite a lot, wasn't he? Just to keep spirits up, I think, because I, I think he could have should have been in with the crowd, really keeping our spirits up, shouldn't he? But uh, there you go. It was. Uh, yeah, I think without looking, I can't say off the top of my head whether it was specific to that game, but it probably was with it being a big game as it was. I mean, win that, we were promoted and obviously typical City, we had to uh, do it all at Bradford and that was another nightmare the, the week after. But uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah interesting times. But yeah, it, we'd, at no stage did I believe that this was going to end the same score, that's for sure. <clears throat> well, you know, 
people of my vintage will remember. It was uh, he was uh, a great uh, city supporter, Eddie Large, and I remember. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, guys, but um, it was always after Dallas that the Little and Large show came on, and uh, Eddie would start off with "Follow that, Jr." Um, <laughs> fanta- fantastic guy, fantastic uh, supporter, and uh, rest in peace, guys. At halftime, uh, Greenwich came on for. Foden at halftime. Ray, I was a little bit surprised about that. Were you? Uh, sorry, uh, Grealish came on for Foden. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's if it's so soon into this, uh, you know, um, into the game, really, um, did Foden have a little knock? You know, it's a week before the next game. He doesn't he certainly doesn't need a rest. I think. I think. I think uh, Ray actually just. I, I just thought about forty minutes into the game, he looked a bit suffering. You know, from the temperature. I think it was affecting him quite yeah, a little maybe. bit as well. As a young lad, maybe that's maybe that's it. Because as I said, you know, yesterday was a hot day, and heat affects different people, different players in different ways. Some people cope with it better. You know, you had you have some of the um, North African players who who are fasting during Ramadan, playing in in, in you know 25, 28 degree heat in May, and and did not eat and drinking all day from you know, dawn to uh, to dusk, and you wonder how they can manage. But some people can, some people can't, um, and it may be that. Foden had uh, shot his bolt after 40 minutes, like Bernard says, and it just needed to, you know, the game's done. Why why push him? You know, the game's done. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was interesting at this point, I think, um, uh, Bernard, there's just a, a little sidebar here that, um, like, Arsenal had gone into a 3 0 lead, and then boom, 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 within about uh, 15 minutes, um, Jacka and Madison had got um, Leicester back into the game. I, I'm I'm kind of um, I'm interested in this burn because my 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 dad is um is a you know a, a proud Northern Irishman and he believes in that manager. I don't, but um, what do Le- what do you make of Leicester um, at the moment? Obviously, uh, the first game wasn't wasn't that wasn't that good. Um, I don't know what to think about their manager. I mean, is he a genius? Is he a I suppose they're not spoke, but I've seen a couple of Leicester fans recently, and they're a little bit worried that you know the, the old days are going to come back and they're going to start falling down the league and struggling again. Uh, that, that's their problem at the moment, just on the basis of what they're buying and what they're not buying. Uh, I think, and obviously, there's, and, and I think personally, they think Brendan Rodgers has took them as far as he can go, and I, I think they're in a funny position. Leicester Ray might have a, his own little opinion on that, but uh, yeah, I think they're one of those teams that they've had, they've, they've done very well uh, for two or three seasons. Well, obviously, since he won the league, they've always been up there, won the FA Cup, but you just get the feeling that something needs to change now to to keep them. Keep them moving, keeping the, keep the momentum going, and it seems to be stalling just a little bit at the moment. Momentum's gone. Momentum's gone because the Paul Leicester in a situation where Fofana looks like he's going to Chelsea. You know, well Leicester asking for eighty million, Chelsea going to get close to that. I think they're already offered sixty million. Um, there's talk of Tielemans going and Madison. You know, I think Newcastle put a decent bid in for Madison. Um, so three of their Undoubtedly, through their best players, and Vardy's is what 34, so uh, and, and Schmeichel left, so they're in a huge season of transition at the moment, and especially whilst that window's open, they've got problems. I think if the window closes, they keep those three uh, aforementioned players. I think they'll be okay this season, but if they end up losing one, two, or all three, and that's big problems because they're not buying anybody. There's only two weeks left of the window, uh, and I think they need. They've not bought any outfield player. They bought a player, a goalie, 
to cover for the fact that Schmeichel left and went to Nice. But they need some bodies. They need they need to refresh themselves. They need one or two decent players. And they've always had that ability to find nuggets. You know, getting Harry Maguire from, what was it, Hull, and moving mm. him on for 80 million. Um, looks like they might get, you know, Fofana moved on for, for between 60 and 80 million. They've always had the ability to find those uh, crackerjacks, even, you know, going back to Vardy, Mares, and Kante. Um, but I think Bernard's right. He's done it again. You know, Rodgers is as far has gone as far as he can. Unless this drastic new recruitment, I don't think Rodgers can can ever get them close to fifth. Um, you know, and um, would he look at another job? Would he look at if another decent job came up? Um, if if he's not going to be be given the money to buy players, I think he's on a loser, and Leicester will end up dropping back to mid table, um, and or even worse. Mm-hmm. Now, Bernard, I don't want to put you on the spot because I know that on the spot um, anyway. Yeah, uh, <laughs> exactly. But um, fast forward to the seventy fourth minute, and uh, Holland was uh, substituted. <laughs> but he missed a great chance just before that. I-, I was just wondering, do you remember that, Bernard? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as I said, I, was, I remember it then. Also, I watched it back uh, this early hours of this morning. I was up at six o'clock, so I was watching a re watching the game at seven this morning. There's there's dedication to you for you. And yeah, I mean, the interesting thing was, you know, he had a little snidey look over the touchline before that chance came, and obviously Alvarez was warming up, and he knew he knew his number was up, he knew he was coming off, but he had that just that one last opportunity, didn't he? And he, it may have played on his mind, I'm not too sure. But the thing is, if he got it on target, I think the defender might, he went for the defender's leg, so it could have easily hit the defender and gone wide, or the keeper might have saved it anyway. But he got one last chance before he came off, and obviously he just skewed it wide. But as I said, he, he might have seen Alvarez on the touchline and, and sort of been a bit uh, distracted, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Ray, we did get to fourth, and it was just a couple of minutes later. It was an own goal that was uh, crafted, and arc- I think the architecture was from Jao uh, Cancelo. Yeah, he, he had the ball knocked over. He um, twisted and turned the defender inside out before putting the ball into the mixer, into that danger zone, that six-yard area. And it was... Um, 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 you know, went off the heel of one of the defenders uh, to to be an own goal. Um, it's more, you know, it's no more than City uh, richly deserved. You know, to deserve probably six or seven actually yesterday. Um, but I think you know, kind of took the foot off the gas in that second half. There's no need to. You know, City have won the game. It's boiling hot. Why kill yourselves, really? Um, one thing about Haaland is, I think he's going to be regularly pulled off the pitch, uh, so to speak. Uh, after 65, 75 minutes, 80 minutes, I don't think he's going to finish too many games if we're comfortably ahead. Because if you're two or three ahead, why, um, you know, um, leave the guy on, possibly get injured? He's, especially if he scored a goal, he's done his, his business. You know, that might hurt him in his uh, pursuit of the golden boot. Is he bothered about the golden boot? I, I don't know. Uh, but if you're going to you know, come off the pitch 15 or 20 minutes early every game, that's like 15 minutes is one-sixth of the game. It's a big chunk of that game. You know, he's not playing. And someone like Harry Kane will play right to the end. So, you know, if he's interested in, the, in, in that, he might have a word. He might have a quick word with uh, with Pep. But, you know, how else does Alvarez get on the pitch? Do you, you, you put him out wide and not put him what you'd hope would be his best position? He's up front, down the middle. Um, I, I don't know. So, the only way to do that is by taking Haaland off. But... <laughs> 
I'd, I'd like to have the chance to see the potential link-up play between Haaland and Alvarez one day. So in, instead of taking Haaland off, leave him on. Put Alvarez on with him and see what you can do with two you know, uh, natural goal scorers on the pitch. Even if you play Alvarez out wide a bit, just, I just would love to see them both play together. But I'm not sure it's going to happen anytime soon. Well, I think you're right, Ray. I mean, m- most of the um, the footage that we've seen of the goals that Alvarez uh, scored in his last team was coming in off uh, the right-hand side. But, uh, uh, Bernard, there was not much uh, left in the game, and that's how it finished. So City 4, Bournemouth 0. The other scores, Arsenal 4, Leicester 2, Brighton 0, Newcastle 0, Southampton 2, Leeds 2. And Wolves nil and uh, Fulham uh, nil. So that um, put us uh, top of the league. Uh, just uh, interject, just a second. Obviously, Rico got his debut. That was nice to see, wasn't it? Rico Lewis got brought on. Yeah. That that was nice to see. And can I just have a quick mention of that Smith character? You obviously wanted to box. I don't know what he was doing at the end of the match, and then he wanted to cause a bit of trouble after the final whistle as well. And That's just so you know, uh, I think I'm right. He came from Liverpool. He came from Liverpool, uh, this Smith character, four years at Liverpool, Australian, probably uh, an Australian Liverpool or United fan in his young days. Uh, and uh, it's just just needless. I don't know what upset him, but obviously he didn't take the defeat very well. But, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a sad end because it sort of kicked off a little bit after the final whistle went. But uh, if I'd, I'd been the ref, Cute had a good game, actually, the ref, but I would have just sent him off after the final whistle because he was just, just out of control at that stage, which is ridiculous. Well, Ray, um, our fans will not uh, forgive us if we don't mention the fact that, of course, City ended up top of the league. <clears throat> but, um, but there was a team um, bottom of the league uh, with uh, the reverse scoreline. And this is getting into... I mean, guys, listen, this is so funny for me. Uh, I, I've been a huge fan of Mark Goldbridge. And just watching this guy is, is incredible. What the hell is going on there? I mean, they've got a beautiful new manager that looks exactly like Pep. And uh, they've got these uh, new signings in. What is going on there? It's an absolute shambles. It's a mess. And actually, you know, right now, Goldbridge, is, he's on the um, talk spot. So he does a, a show on talk spot at 8 o'clock. After, let's be honest, the main um, the main talk show, um, sorry, the main phone in show, he does his 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 bit, and I've caught it a couple of times just because I'm driving home from work and um, I've got the radio on uh, in the, in the car. He's struggling. He's really is struggling on these shows, but I think you know he'll be given time um, just to find his feet because you you, you can't. You know, struggling in what way, Ray? In, in, I think in his, in his, I, I, I never watched him on YouTube. Okay, I never watched him on YouTube. So occasionally, I'd see the, 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 some clips that Mike would put up or somebody else where he's, he's, he's letting it go. I, I just don't think he's immediately cut out for the radio. But I think, um, like other, uh, other people, he'll get to grips with it. And you know, you know, most people are given a little bit of time, will be fine. So. I just think it, it'll take a bit of time to adapt. I think that's really what I'm trying to say um, yeah. uh, to, to what he's doing on on, on the radio. But it, look, I, I, honestly, stuff them, <laughs> stuff them. <laughs> I hope, I hope, I hope they keep getting stuffed. Um, and as Gabby Bonlahor said, anybody, you know, people are looking to see when they're playing United. 
he said when a Villa play United, I hope we play them soon. Um, because United are an absolute shambles. And look, why should we care? That's the truth. Why should we care? We should be joyous at their at their, uh, at their struggles. Um, Bernard, the reason the reason I like Mark Goldbridge is that he's very he's he's very honest. Uh, I'll have to say I'll have to give him uh, that. And he has comp- he ha- he repeatedly says the same point that um, for some reason United keep playing Maguire, uh, Bruno Fernandez. McFred in uh, in midfield and uh, Rashford, who's completely uh, gone off the boil, um, and they're 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 putting like you know their great players like Varane on the on the bench and Ronaldo is, is nowhere. How, how do you apprise what the hell is going on there? Well, I mean, I've, I've watched the high. I've never watched United live unless we're playing them, of course, but. Uh... I mean, I'll just watch that defense. De Gea, De Gea, whatever you want to call him. I mean, you know, he went to have a great season, didn't he? Was it last season after having a bit of a dodgy one? And it looks as though he may be back to another dodgy one this season. But uh, that defense, I mean, I've played, Ray's played football. You might have played football, mate. I'll tell you what, that, that defense, I wouldn't have seen that level of playing out from the back from a Sunday league Sunday league teams I played for. They were absolutely, there's no flow at all. It's just, I mean, they can't just, the game may as well just boot the ball up the pitch because trying to play out from the back, they're an absolute, as Ray said, the word shambles, I've got it on the newspaper here, they're a shambles, that's what they are. They're just from the back to the front, absolute chaos. And I say, as Ray said, long may it continue, I don't care less, to be honest with him. Perhaps he's playing these guys because... You know, who else has he got to play? Uh, that's the problem. He might have some okay youngsters, but you can't throw your youngsters into it. How, how unfair is that? You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past United to do that. They've certainly been capable. But, uh, yeah, he's having to play these players because, he, you know, he just hasn't got anyone else. It's as simple as that. And they're, they're, they're absolutely useless and teams are looking forward to playing them. And such a shame we're not playing them quite soon because I tell you, you know, we'd tear them a new one. You know, you know 4-0 against Bournemouth, he'd be... You'd be talking double figures against that lot. They're, they're awful, absolutely awful. But as Ray said, good. I'm glad. I don't give a toss. I had enough years of getting it in the neck from United fans, so I don't. I don't give uh, a, a flying monkeys about it. Uh, Ray, does it does it boggle your mind a little bit that they paid 18 million for Maguire, number one, and number two that Man City were in for him? <laughs> I was going to say that. That's that was going to be my point. That. That City actually wanted him as well, so you know we've just we've got to be thankful that uh, United ended up paying a lot more for him uh, when we were interested because uh, you know he, he he we could have been lumbered with him, um, serves him right, um, and yeah, I'm not surprised they, they, they got him because obviously we were in for him at a reasonable price. He might look we look at him now and think what a donkey. Uh, we've got to be careful on Twitter. That might get you a slight ban. I know one of my mates did for calling somebody, uh, what a player, a donkey. Um, we call him a donkey, but he'd have probably been a success at City with Pep as the mm. manager. And I think mm. that's that's a, a, a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernard, just uh, looking, uh, just as we're coming to the end of this pod, I'm looking at Nottingham Forest uh, have beaten West Ham 1-0. And in any first minute, uh, Chelsea are 2-1 up. Uh, against Tottenham in that in that whole big debate about who's going to finish uh, third and fourth, but I'd like to turn our attention, if you don't mind, uh, for a second, uh, Bernard, to uh, the team that everyone reckons are going to be challenging us, and that's Liverpool. 
Uh, did you see the first game, um, Liverpool's first game of the season? I caught, I caught the first half and then obviously the highlights of, of the second half and uh, they're going to have to do a lot better. But uh, yeah, uh, having having beaten us the week before, uh, yeah, of course they're going to be up there. We know they're going to be up there. We know they're going to be our nearest challengers because they've got the system. They've got still got all right. They've lost. They've lost uh, the guy up front, but they've still got quality players. They'll still score plenty of goals. They'll still teams will still be terrified. They'll still go to Anfield in trepidation. Even we sort of got over it a little bit the last couple of seasons, but. Uh, even we do so yeah I mean they're gonna they're gonna win all, most of their own games almost all their own games and it, it's uh, very quickly very quickly it'll just be us and them I think again uh, Ray obviously you've got uh, the Liverpool against Crystal Palace game uh, coming up how would you assess um, what their challenge is going to be I think the challenge is going to be the same as, it, as ever you know you've got to be honest when, since Klopp's been here this is what six seasons Bernard six seasons yeah. He came a, a few months before Pep joined. Um, you know, he's got them in the top four. He's got them challenging. Uh, look, you know, they won the league once. Uh, bravo to them. They come second twice by one solitary point. Could so easily have been, we could see easily be sitting here saying, well, you know, they've won the league three times in the last five years. We could easily be saying that. Uh, and, and City have won it twice. You know, so... Small margins, very, very small margins uh, in, in, you know, in our favour at this time. So I think they're going to be there or thereabouts. The defence hasn't changed. The midfield hasn't changed. The goalie hasn't changed, really. It's pretty much all that. The one big difference is Firmino's dropping down a, a bit and they've got other players in. And I think that'll improve them. And Mane's gone. And I, I don't think they're going to have, you know, once they're sorted out, it might be the next week or two to get, uh, themselves are properly sorted out. Uh, I think they'll be buzzing um, again, and they're going to pose the biggest challenge. I don't think the biggest challenge is going to come from Chelsea or Spurs. I think Chelsea and Spurs and Arsenal will fill the uh, remaining spots between them in the Champions League spots. Um, but I don't think anybody else is going to challenge, and I think it's just going to be us and Liverpool. Well, guys, uh, just before we finish off, I I, I just want to ask there. The guys here uh, for their memories about uh, something, and that was um, uh, a tweet put up by uh, Sid Lowe about Michael Robinson. Now, this is a player that uh, when when I was a kid, um, we signed, and uh, I've still got uh, his uh, picture on my wall. It's like his mum and his dad, and him when he just signed for Man City. He's tucking into a big um, a, a big leg of turkey. And he's answering. He's answering those questions, you know, that uh, that were kind of funny at the time in Shoot Magazine, like "What is your favorite car?" "What is your favorite?" And they all, the guys, always said the same thing. They always said, um, "My favorite food is steak and chips, and my my favorite car is the Ford Escort Gia uh, 2.0 and stuff like that." It's quite funny. But he uh, played for us. Yeah. Uh, then he, he he moved on. He played for Liverpool, obviously, and he 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 was bilingual, and uh, he uh, had a very very popular show on Spanish TV <clears throat> where he would analyze the games. And I would just just before we finish off, guys, I'm just going to start off with Ray and then move on to Bird and, and say, Ray, what are your memories of Michael Robinson? Uh, I'll be honest, not too, not too many now because I'm I'm knocking on. I can't remember. As I said to someone uh, recently, I can't remember what happened last week. You know, let alone what happened five years ago. Um, if if I'm right, 
if I remember, no, um, I don't have too many memories. And obviously, he, he, I actually remember him playing more for, for Brighton because he played a lot of games for Brighton. He had about uh, three or four seasons uh, with them. And then I obviously remember his media uh, career as well. And then he, he sadly died a couple of years ago uh, from, I think, from cancer. Um, so, you know, um, Bernard will remember probably a bit more because Bernard's got, I'll be honest, a better memory than me. But I think he had that, um, what I remember from when he played in the FA Cup final against, uh, was it United? Um, and he played really well uh, when they drew 2-2. But then they, obviously they got battered in the in the replay. Uh, but then he had a a, a lot of, uh, that's when he went moved to Liverpool because Brighton got relegated that season. And then he went to Liverpool for, for a season. Uh, and then I think he finished his career in, um, in Spain. And I'm guessing that's where the bilingual thing comes in. Uh, and, and he lived out in Spain. Bernard, was he one of um, was he one of John Bond's uh, buys uh, to bring in and replace That's all the, the people he sold? Tony was there, wasn't he? Seventy nine, eighty. He only had the one season. Yeah, he only he played under Tony Buck. It was the season Malcolm Allison came in, of course. Um, Seventy nine, eighty. Uh, and yeah, he's one of those. He, actually, I remember. I seem to remember him doing really well for Liverpool when he when he went there after us. Yeah. But he didn't even last a season uh, playing for City. He only had thirty odd games, I think, in total or something like that. And we weren't scoring. We weren't scoring for fun that season. That's why, uh, of course, uh, we brought Allison back in eighty, and it was just just rubbish. He scored. He scored a few goals. Scored scored against his old team Brighton, which is uh, you know that always always happens, doesn't it? But he was just, for me, one of those guys they brought in and just moved on very quickly. What I used to call them nearly men in those days, where they, they were all right, they looked okay for their old club, but uh, City tried to get them as, as cheap as they could, but still played over the odds, and, and they just didn't do it. And they say he didn't even last a season. It was disappointing. But a nice lad, a nice guy. Uh, nothing wrong with him as a person. Uh, but sadly, as a number nine, which he played most of his games for City, uh, uh, I might do a number nines on him one day. I might, <laughs> I might do a feature on him one day. It shouldn't take me long to research it. But, uh, yeah, he was okay. He was just, just one of those uh, that pass through, if you like, uh, pass through the old City Academy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's fair, guys. I think he was, he was a little bit of a blip on our radar. He looked, he was a, a young, handsome guy that looked great in that kit at the time, but um, not, uh, not someone that will... Um, really trouble the scorers as we say in cricket but um there we go well well listen guys fantastic uh game that we've seen here against uh, at bournemouth so we'll finish off with them uh with uh, ray and uh, bernard and just ask them for their closing thoughts and uh, what they think about the next uh, game so uh ray um well, my closing thoughts, I mean, it's, it's something that was interesting to me, uh, and we, we hadn't mentioned it, is obviously City got a new left-back, uh, this kid. Is it I Gomez? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, Sergio Gomez. And I think Pep said about him, even though he hadn't technically signed by them, but Pep spoke quite a lot about him, which you, you don't normally do about someone else's player, but basically said, you know, was it the Under-17 World Cup when um, Foden was the player of the tournament and the Gomez was the um, Came second, so he was the second best player in the tournament. I think he's he went to Germany. He's had uh, he played under company Anderlecht, some some good schooling there, and he's 21 years old, I think. And Pep said he's one for now. He's not going anywhere. He's not going out on loan. He's going to be at Man City. He's going to fight for. 
And pretty much, I think he said he's going to fight for the left back spot or challenge for the left back spot with Cancelo and uh, Wilson Esbrand. And um, which is great because I think, if we're honest, for the last two or three seasons, there's been no challenge for that, for either fullback spot. You know, you've had Cancelo on the left and Walker on the right. And the only time Walker got dropped one for a, for a spell, we put Cancelo on the right when I think KDB was injured as well. And uh, Zinchenko on the left, I think, or Aki or whatever. And that's the only challenge to Walker is if he does drop to uh, below a certain level, Cancelo can step in. Cancelo's got no challenge to him so far. You know, Zinchenko wasn't a, a threat. Uh, so Cancelo could basically do what he wants. Now I feel, I hope anyway, in the next one year, that Wilson S. Brandon and this Gomez uh, kid will challenge Cancelo to up his game, to keep or at least keep his game at a high level. And also, that can have an effect on Walker because if Cancelo's playing well, but Wilson S. Brandon or Gomez deserve a chance on the left or Walker's not playing so well, Cancelo moves on the on the right and we have somebody else on the left. So I, I think it's important to put pressure on players. You know, too many players, I think it, without pressure, they can um, lower their standards or lower their levels. Now, every single position at City, apart from maybe centre-forward, this pressure on those players. And even Haaland, you know, he, if he goes through a, a, a barren spell and Alvarez comes on a sub, scores a few goals, maybe even Haaland can get dropped. So this pressure on everybody, you've got to keep performing. Mares and Grealish fighting for one spot if Foden's going to be playing all the time, knowing that there's Cole Palmer uh, knocking on the door, waiting for his chance. Um, so it, it's great and it's, it's important, it's essential. Uh, I think it's crucial to what we do in the next one or two seasons. Well, final thoughts from uh, Bernard and uh, also asking uh, Bernard, uh, do you think that we're done now uh, in the transfer market? Yeah, I think so. I think we're a little bit undercut, though. I think we still get two or three injuries, and we're going to be. It's not going to be a problem. Who's going to, you know, challenging for places? It's not, not having the players in the right right spot at the right time. It's not that long ago we struggled, was it, at the end of last season, where we literally were playing on fumes to get through games to win that title. But uh, yeah, he's, Pep seems happy with what we've got. I don't think there'll be anything else. I mean, looking forward to the Newcastle game because we've not touched upon it. I don't think Pep's going to make many changes. Uh, I think Aki got a little bit of a knock on notice yesterday. Grealish went over on his foot as well, didn't he? So uh, if, if there's two changes to that team, uh, I don't think there'll be anything more than that. Pep, Pep wants to go strong. It's not an easy game against Newcastle. It never is, even though obviously uh, on paper it should be reasonably easy. Newcastle has strengthened, but there's still nowhere, nowhere near a match for us. But uh, yeah, I don't expect many changes. Uh, and I think Pep will go strong and we just need to pick up another three points. It's as simple as that. A, a difficult place to go. Well, guys, all going well so far. Everything's going swimmingly. Thank you to the to the guys, uh, Ray and also Bernard. And I think we'll just stop here, guys, and we'll be back with you after the next game. So we'll finish off in the normal way by saying, have one on us and up those blues. Up the blues. Up those blues.